Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar racers, and startups who are just getting started. And home to great healthcare. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. Stay Brooklyn. Stay amazing. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, you know him, you love him, as the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, as we come to our listeners here from the Vivid Studio, a day after that unfortunate meltdown, I guess we can call it, the Broncos squandered a 14-point lead, completely fell apart, allowed the Jacksonville Jaguars to run rough shot over him in the run game. I don't know. I think Leonard Fournette's still running through Denver right now. <laughs> How are you feeling today, bro? I'm feeling all right. I'm kind of, you know, from a Broncos, I guess, putting on my Broncos fan hat, I, I'm picking up the pieces and kind of surveying this team and coming to grips with the fact that they're not a good football team. They have some positive pieces there. They have some glimpses of hope for the future. But as of right now, at 0-4 and having just lost their best young player on defense or young player overall – it's just an abysmal season. You got to just face facts. Sometimes you have to look in the mirror and just own how bad things are instead of trying to always be in denial and delude yourself into thinking something's positive. If you just tell yourself the Broncos are a bad football team right now, whatever happens between now and December, January, you will not be surprised with. And just when you thought it couldn't get worse, the Broncos get clobbered with a two by four Monday morning with the news breaking that Bradley Chubb, in fact, tore his ACL in week four against the Jacksonville Jaguars and is done for the season, a partial tear, but done for the season. Nevertheless, Zach, we're going to analyze the aftermath, where to go from here, what that means for the Denver Broncos. We're going to talk about some Chris Harris stuff that's come out since the uh, fourth loss of the season. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. You guys make sure you're following the show on Twitter at huddle up pod. Why? That's how you stay plugged in. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Go to Twitter, follow at HuddleUpPod, and make sure you're leaving a creative review and a five-star rating if you like what you hear over on Apple Podcasts. It's a phenomenal, easy, organic way that you can help support the show. It goes a long way towards helping Zach and myself and Nick and Carl and Eric and Lance. You guys have no idea. Plus, what it does is when you make a, a post a review, 
It puts you in the running for the swag giveaway each month. So take care of that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar racers, and startups who are just getting started. And home to great health care. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital. Stay Brooklyn. Stay amazing. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach. Let's talk about this. Uh, it, the, the news initially broke by Adam Schefter that Chubb tore his ACLs done for the season. Literally, less than 10 minutes later, Fangio's at the podium, confirms, yep, he's done. Where do the Broncos go from here with regard to how this impacts the Chubb injury, this defense? I guess next man up is Malik Reed, and that's the only place they can go. They're going to have some Justin Hollins in there, and they're going to do what they can to get by. But it's not just the on-field production you're losing. It's the morale in the locker room. He was such an ascending player. He was a perennial all-pro type talent. Uh, He was coming on to have career highs and tackles this year and tackles for losses, quarterback hits. And it's just to come out of that, you know, playing through a torn ACL in that game and then having to miss the season after it. It's just a gut shot, and it's I feel so bad. Not necessarily for Denver's defense, more so for Chubb, because he was really blossoming into a household superstar, and all this is going to do now is set that back till next year. So I feel brutal for him right now. What really worries me is something that Fangio touched on more in passing when he was asked what type of loss this is. He said, quote, it's a huge loss. He's one of our better players, obviously. He's a tempo setter, and I want to underline that here. He's a tempo setter, a great player, a great person, a leader, and all that. So it is a loss, close quote. That's been one of the biggest things here, Zach, that is we've seen the Broncos struggle with is, you know, tempo, intensity, physicality, and maintaining those levels consistently for 60 minutes. And Chubb's one of those guys who is an example of how to do that. He sets the tone. Anytime he's on the field, he goes 100%. Doesn't mean he wins every rep, but more often than not, we all know he does. And that type of leadership by example and that fiery intensity that he does have on the field, that's gone. And for a guy like Malik Reed, as encouraging as as his performance was yesterday uh, to tally his first career sack and help the Broncos get on the board and continue to break that ice in terms of not having sacks going into the game, he's still a rookie, an an undrafted rookie at that. He's still going to be swimming. He's still going to be going through a massive trial and error learning curve. And in that sense, he's not going to be able to have that same type of emotional impact. He's not a top five pick. He's not someone that other players necessarily are going to be looking to as any type of, you know, model or, you know, for any type of leadership. So that's the biggest thing that worries me. 
you know, I realize I didn't answer the question as it pertains to the actual defense. It's it's going to hurt them, obviously, for their pass rushing component. But in run defense, that's where Chubb silently and underratedly kind of moved up the ranks. And uh, he worked on that from last year. He was very sad against the run this year. And obviously, it's going to hurt Von Miller, who struggled to get going for the first four weeks. Now he's going to face more double teams, more chip locks, more attention without having Chubb on the other side of him. So... Obviously, to the Broncos' defense, it's a massive, irreplaceable uh, hole being left behind by Bradley Chubb. The only glimmer of hope is that it gives young players like Reed and Justin Hollins a chance to step up, and the Broncos can know what they have in them. They know if they have either backup types or potential starters or maybe even potential replacements for Von Miller, all the trade rumors circulating there. That is the only positive, though, Chad, about this injury. It just sucks all around. But I guess I'm excited to see the young players, especially Malik Reed, who's really been consistently performing well in the Vic Fangio defense. A rare player that's succeeding in this defense. You know, it, it was somewhat disheartening for me to hear what I'm about to say. But at the same time, I we probably shouldn't have expected anything less because no, the Broncos don't exactly have a proven number three in terms of behind Von Miller, behind Bradley Chubb. But when he was asked how they're going to handle this, is this, you know, is, is Malik Reed kind of the next man up, et cetera? He used the committee word uh, as uh, how the Broncos are going to react. It's going to be a committee. He, Malik Reed, it's going to be Justin Hollins. Let me tell you guys something. Now, Justin Hollins, he was a fifth-round pick. He's got a lot of talent. He's got length. He's got freakish ability. But if you watched him out on the field on Sunday against the Jaguars, he was a straight-up liability. In fact, Eric Trickle had a great article in his grades piece that he does each and every week. He highlighted Justin Hollins who has earned the single lowest grade of any Bronco this this year, single game. He gave up two of those touch those two touchdowns in the second half that gave the the Jaguars all that momentum and the lead. That was at the hands of Justin Hollins basically. And so I know that playing edge, he's not going to be in coverage as much, but what that showed me Zach is that he's still swimming. He's not ready for the speed of the game. He still needs time to learn and settle in. I'm hoping it's mostly Malik Reed, and maybe yeah. I'm getting back on the phone. I don't know what happened to Dakota Watson, but I'm seeing if maybe he wants to come back. It's a great point about Hollins, and I think part of the reason why he's swimming is because he's had to learn two positions, playing inside and outside. Uh, yeah, the committee approach probably works best. I know it's hindsight, but man, how clutch would Shaquille Barrett be right now? I mean, leading the NFL in sacks, just dominating every single game. I understand why the Broncos moved on, but to have that guy as your backup for a couple years behind Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, that was pretty special. I don't know any free agent. I'm thinking off the top of my head, maybe Jeff Holland. They can bring him back. I know he was released by the Bills, but he wasn't showing too well. I think the Broncos are just going to have to suck it up and roll with the players they have. I, I agree with you. It's going to be mostly, I think, Malik Reed with a lot of uh, a Holland sprinkled in there as well. Well, the thing that fans have to remember is the Broncos have been spoiled at the edge rusher position yeah. dating back to 2011. When Vaughn was drafted, you had Elvis Dumerville and Vaughn Miller for two years. That was followed up by... Demarcus Ware and Von Miller for a three-year period. Then that was followed up not long after with with basically, I know there was a year or so in between 2017 anyway, one year without Chubb, but then Chubb arrives. You got Chubb and Vaughn manning the edge. Most teams are lucky to have even one dominant edge rusher. And so the silver lining is at least the Broncos still have Von Miller. I don't think, and we'll talk more about this later on in the show, Zach, the topic of putting guys on the trading block, facing facts, let's rebuild, let's build draft capital, let's move this thing forward. 2019 is uh, a bust, and let's look to the future. Von Miller might have been a topic, an uncomfortable possibility to consider listening to offers for. 
yesterday. But in the wake of the Bradley Chubb injury this year, I don't think that's even something the Broncos slightly even entertain at this point. Yeah, I don't even think it was a possibility, regardless of Chubb, until next offseason. But now, for sure, I mean, he's the the guy now. And honestly, I think he will secretly like this Von Miller. He will never publicly come out and say this, but I think he was kind of irked at the fact of how much spotlight Chubb was taking from him and how much praise he was getting from Vic Fangio, whereas Fangio kind of chided you know, Miller the whole offseason. I'm... I'm willing to bet secretly he's a little more contented now, Von Miller, and I don't think he's going to make many waves. He'll play out this season like a, a lot of other veterans, and the Broncos will explore their options uh, next offseason when they can. All right, so terrible news. Terrible news on the Bradley Chubb front, and I guess the silver lining for him is he no longer has to suffer through these depredations <laughs> that his 52 other teammates have to, right? That's right. Yeah, I mean, he gets to chill on the couch now, sit back and uh, watch the Broncos on TV and not have to kill himself to, you know, to play through a loss. He could just see it on TV. Go in for treatment, you know, every day, get in his rehab after the swelling subsides and, you know, better luck next year type thing. But Bradley Chubb will return. Fortunately, you know, he's still young and he'll bounce back. He's a great ascending young player, which makes this all the more tragic. But the Broncos still have some big fish to fry and some major questions that are unanswered. And Zach, one thing that we need to address here is after the game, two things. All right. Number one, Chris Harris Jr. All right. He is quoted by, I think it was Mark Kisla of the Denver Post uh, with, and I'll paraphrase it here, something to the effect of, I've only got 13 weeks left. You know, I've only got 13 weeks left of this BS and then I'm out of here, right? I'm hitting the open waters of free agency and I'm hightailing it out of the Mile High City. On the heels of that, he published a tweet and Zach, I really thought that your uh, quote tweet in response to it was uh, appropriate. And let me just read to uh, listeners what Harris said, quote, on Twitter, I love being a Bronco, and the only thing I am unhappy about is losing. Anyone who suggests otherwise is flat out wrong. Hashtag strap Harris. Zach's response, agent speak, right? thousand percent. Elaborate on that for our listeners. I mean, if you go and compare, and this is not a personal shot at Chris Harris Jr., but go look at his other tweets. He does not write like that. He does not compose a sentence like that. It just sounds like something his agent would write. I would wager that his agent actually wrote that tweet for him. I have no basis to say that. I have no sources on that. But it's literally coming from an agent, and if it wasn't written by an agent, it was dictated by one. That is something an agent says to him. And a little uh, hashtag strap Harris in there, that's a nice little touch there. So we have that. And then on Monday... Vic Fangio was forced to address a question that had to do with the raised voices and argumentative style of yelling that assembled media heard in the locker room after the game. I I don't know exactly what happened, if people were getting after each other, or you know there might be some finger-pointing, some accountability issues going on there. But, Zach, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that Chris Harris Jr. might have been somehow involved in that. Yeah, and he's gotten worse, I think, the last couple of years, and he's relying really on his reputation and his uh, his Pro Bowls and his All-Pro status, what he had in the past. He is not the same corner. But what concerned me is right after he got his money, his his little uh, 2019 bonus in the form of $3.5 million, he literally came out right after and said, I want to be the number one corner. It had no appreciation or gratitude for what Denver just did for him. He was already looking for his next payday and probably his next team. So the fact that he would come out and say 13 more weeks, it's the least bit surprising to me. He is one of those mercenaries in that locker room. Uh, maybe just like 
uh, Emmanuel Sanders on offense, like some some of these other guys, Derek Wolf, guys who know they don't have a future, a long term future in Denver, and they're literally and we talked about it on the pod yesterday, going through the motions now. It's all about evaluation. Whether the Broncos admit it or not, emotionally, they're going to turn the page to 2020 soon. And the locker room is going to check out, and they're all going to just collect their paychecks and try to stay healthy. And that's what you're seeing with Chris Harris Jr. And nothing tears a locker apart you know, like losing. And the Broncos just can't win. They literally cannot win. And you're starting to see the fractures now. It won't be long uh, before it, ble- it bleeds over into the coaching staff, and you have a whole mess on your hands. Well, we still got a lot more to get to in the Aftermath episode today for you our awesome listeners of the huddle up podcast but first we got to take a quick break our only break of the day we'll be right back this is the overtime podcast network mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, I want to touch on an article. And by the way, just referencing our previous conversation with regard to Bradley Chubb, Dakota Watson is still available as a free agent, so don't be shocked if the Broncos go back to the well and bring him back because at least he has some veteran experience. team could rely on him. So keep that as a feather in the cap. We'll see if that... uh, happens this week if it does happen it will be this week but i want to draw your attention to an article that eric trickle published on monday eight veterans whom the broncos should consider offers uh, on the trading block before the deadline and i want to go through each one of these and tell me if you think these are candidates the broncos should strongly consider moving and just kind of get what they could get and stockpile some picks or if they are the type of player that belongs here with the core all right let me start with Todd Davis. This is a guy that Trickle listed because, you know, his first game back, he appeared to be a significant upgrade for the team in terms of stopping the run. But he, just like everyone else on that defense in week four against the Jags, was exposed, liability, sloppy, filling the wrong gaps, missing tackles. Is Todd Davis, if you can get any kind of value for Todd Davis, and it would probably be of the late round variety in terms of compensation, is that a player with the way this team is currently constructed? that you would consider offers for if you're the Broncos? 
Chad, there's like four or five players that I would consider semi-untouchable in the Denver locker room, and Todd Davis is the furthest thing from that. I don't think he has any trade value, but if they can get a seventh-round pick or a bag of footballs, it doesn't matter. Uh, I would take that and run. He's a liability still. He's uh, a plain two-down run-stuffing linebacker, and even now in the game, he keeps blowing angles, taking bad uh, you know, routes to the edge. He's not a, a great football player, and we're starting to see him being exposed again like he was the last couple years. If they can trade him, that'd be great. I just think he's a guy that's going to be cut uh, probably next offseason. I think it's just one of those positions where the Broncos have to accept the fact that they are not on a level at off-ball linebacker. Todd Davis is not going to be the difference between this team winning and losing games. And so get Keyshawn Bieria, get Alexander Johnson, get those guys reps. Even Justin yep. Holland, start working him in as the season progresses. I mean, obviously he proved himself, as I mentioned earlier in the show, to be not quite ready for the amount of snaps he was given in week four, but... He's a player you believe in. Maybe you now repurpose him strictly for the edge with what happened to Bradley Chubb. But either way, you have some young talent there at the off-ball linebacker position that the team, frankly, still doesn't really know much about. And even Keyshawn Bieria, you know, you cut him, you brought him back for a reason. He's a former draft pick. Alexander Johnson is a guy that you consider to be like a third, fourth round caliber player that you got as an undrafted rookie because of his off-field legal problems. Neither of these guys have seen reps significant reps yet because it's all gone to Josie Jewell, Corey Nelson, Todd Davis. You move Todd Davis, take him out of the equation. Eventually, Josie Jewell is going to be healed up and and good to go, and he can return as one of the two starters on the defense. But then maybe you're you're giving Alexander Johnson another look, and then that way you know for sure, one way or another, whether or not off-ball linebacker needs to be one of those priority draft picks in, you know, your, your first two rounds next year. You know, I hate to say it, but if the Broncos are going to lose games this year, if it's not going to matter either way in the in the standings, I'd rather the Broncos lose by playing their young players than by playing the Todd Davises of the world. Like I said, it's all about evaluation at this point. It's all about turning the page to 2020, and you have to know an inside linebacker considering you really neglected that spot this offseason. What you have going forward can be area Alexander Johnson, Joe Jones, Hollins. Can those players be core players of the future? Can they be replacements for Todd Davis or not? And you have to go out and get some guy on the in open market or, or draft him. They have to figure those decisions out, and one of those main spots is an inside linebacker. But for my money, Todd Davis doesn't have any trade value, and the day that he's released by Denver, they move on, will be a much better day uh, for this Broncos team. I just can't believe how bad this defense has been with the amount of talent that they've had. I mean, we fi- seriously, I mean, <laughs> we might have undersold how talented they the, the Broncos were on the defensive side of the ball, but just by virtue of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, by virtue of Chris Harris Jr., you know, by virtue of Kareem Jackson, by virtue of the Justin Simmons upside, by virtue of Derek Wolf's experience, at least as a run stopper, you know, and then you tie in Vic Fangio's X's and O's acumen. I cannot believe how badly Fangio's scheme <clears throat> has, has been exposed so far. And what it says to me is, is that it's affecting every single player. If it was just one guy, you can say, oh, maybe it's that guy not taking the scheme. But it's every single player on that defense. No one is playing overly well. So you have to point the figure to Fangio and say maybe his scheme as a whole, what he's installed and what he kind of got rid of from the Wade Phillips era. And I hate to say it, the Joe Woods era, uh, that was a mistake. And it's, it's, it's backfiring in his face epically bad right now. All right, let's move on to the next guy on Trickle's list here, Jeff Hireman. Hireman, to me, has been a complete and utter dud in terms of one of the veteran holdovers that the Broncos chose to re-sign and bring back. I understand at the time why they did it. 
but he has been the value he's presented to the team through the first quarter of this season has been next to none. Meanwhile, Noah Fant is in, increasingly ascending. Scored his first touchdown in Week Four. Your former what was he a sixth round pick? Troy Fumagalli didn't even dress again in Week Four. Andrew Beck still on this roster. Do you really need Jeff Hireman? I don't think so. If you could get a song for Jeff Hireman, I think he's a guy that you move, but I can't imagine there's going to be much interest out there, if any, for him, unless it's maybe Gary Kubiak. Right, yeah. He's like a Todd Davis. Davis might even have more trade value than Hireman. He has none. Another guy, when the Broncos finally turn the page and admit their mistake on him, they will be a better football team. Noah Fan, it looks like the light's finally going on in a sense. We have to hope he continues ascending because he has Pro Bowl upside. He has upside that Hireman can only dream about. So uh, not a guy you keep and not a guy you can really trade, a guy you move on from in the offseason. I just love the way Noah Fant is his intensity – as a blocker, you know, he he kind of uh, made the Garrett Bowles mistake in that pancake block that got him uh, busted for holding on Sunday against the Jaguars. But you can't always take your man to the ground and pancake him, especially if it's at the point of attack, because more often than not, the ref's going to see that and just throw the flag. And But I still like the intensity. I love that he's he's showing that physicality because the book on him coming into the draft, of course, was he's all finesse. He's an, one of these athletic pass catchers. He's a big basketball player playing football. No, he's not. He's a football player. All right, let's move on to the next one here. Shelby Harris, Zach. Let me quote what what Trickle says here. Denver is misusing Harris. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He is not a nose tackle and will never be one. If the Broncos are going to continue to use him as such, they'd be better off moving him. It isn't fair to use him where he can't be the player he is, especially in a contract year. This makes me think he isn't in their plans beyond this year, and if that's the case, it's all the more reason to move Shelby Harris. Close quote from Eric Trickle there. Your thoughts? I mean, I've always been a Shelby Harris fan, and I think if you use him correctly, he can be a very dominant player for you like we saw the last couple of years. But the Broncos, I, I agree with Eric. They are misusing him badly right now, a nose tackle. It's not his strength. It's taking away his biggest strength, which is getting to the passer. He is not a run-stuffing nose tackle. Uh, we talked about it on the pod yesterday after the game. They have Mike Purcell. That's a run-stuffer. Activate him and kick out Harris uh, to one of the end spots, I think you'll see a better result there. He's a guy, if I had him my way, I would extend him or, or lock him down and keep him a part of the future. Because if you use him correctly, and I don't know what Fangio was thinking, I don't know if you'll ever even see him as a starting defensive end, but if you do, I think you can get much better production than wasting him a nose tackle right now. That's just my two cents on Shelby yeah, Harris. Make, make him a, you know, make him a three technique. Yep. Make him contend with tackles more than he has to contend at the point of attack because, as Trickle pointed out in a different article, I think it was in his grades breakdown, the the Jaguars, the opponents have zeroed in and singled out Shelby Harris that he can't handle the power attack there and hold the point. And until the Broncos make an adjustment, I mean, that's just another misjudgment by the Denver Broncos to not dress Mike Purcell knowing that you are going against a Jacksonville Jaguars team whose sole purpose on a game-in, game-out basis is to run the power game. And you have prob- arguably the best power back in the NFL in Leonard Fournette, and you choose to sit your one run-stuffing nose tackle. That, to me, is just another head-scratching decision by this coaching staff. All comes down to coaching. And then Fournette goes on to have his a career day against the Broncos defense on the road. It's just you make those little mistakes. You don't think about the, the players you declare inactive. I usually agree with Fangio on those kind of moves. I don't really harp on these kind of things. But to sit a predominant run suffer against a run first team, I will never understand why I did that. 
All right, let's move on to the next guy here, Justin Simmons. Now, we, you and I, Zach, have lamented his inability to make a clear impact outside of, I can think of three plays right now through the first four quarters or four games of the first quarter of this season in which I noticed Justin Simmons doing something that impacted the game in a positive way. It's been more of, and I'll quote Eric Trickle here, he's making the same mistakes but makes a play or two here and there that make everyone forget about the negatives. Justin Simmons is in a contract year. He was supposed to be one of these young core players that the, the team can kind of build around on the defensive side. But honestly, Zach, he's played more like a Jag, right? He's, he's played more like just a guy that is replacement level. You could find someone who can probably day one in the third or fourth round of the draft perform at a similar level than you're getting from Justin Simmons right now. So if you can move him in a contract year, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to offers. Yeah, I'm mostly with you on that. I'm a pretty big Justin Simmons fan, but if you can get a mid-round pick for him and maybe move on, I would consider it. Though I will say it's crazy because he looks so good in the summer. He looks so good in training camp, so good in the preseason. He had an interception almost every other practice, and then once the lights went on, he just became invisible. And that's another sign of coaching because the entire team did that. They just they withered when the, the game started counting. He's a guy that has a lot of playmaking potential. He's rangy, he's fast, he's instinctual. If you can harness all that, you have a Pro Bowl safety. The problem is Fangio hasn't been able to harness that. Gun to my head, I would extend Justin Simmons, try to keep him around, but I, he's not untouchable and a trade. I wouldn't rule it out if it was uh, considered or floated out there. All right, next guy, and to me this kind of falls similarly into the same bucket as Jeff Hyerman, but that's Devontae Booker. And he's seen basically zero snaps on offense. His only utility to the team is depth and kick returner who's going to get the ball right to the 20 every time. You might as well have taken the touchback. I don't understand why they have remained so adamant with Devontae Booker as the kick returner. Why aren't you utilizing Deontay Spencer there and put some twitch and explosion? Give yourself a weapon in that return game. Devontae Booker, I mean, I guess he can hold on to the ball, but if he's going to be your kick returner, Zach, you might as well just hope and pray each and every kick is a touchback. Another Elway draft pick the team is forcing to play out there. I, I agree with you. He's He doesn't do anything exciting. The fact that he holds on to the ball, I guess, is a positive. And the only thing I could think about with Spencer is the Broncos are afraid of risking him to injury because they've, they've waited so long to find a capable punt returner. They don't want to lose him now. I don't really get what they're doing with Booker, though he has no trade value either. He's a guy they'll probably move on from you know, in a contract year. Yeah. Um, good, Decent running back to have, but he does nothing to move the needle in the backfield or on special teams, so pretty unremarkable guy. I have a hard time seeing a team out there really asking about Booker. However, trickled... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's Serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, 
infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. I did bring up one point, and that is if, if there's a playoff contending team out there, similar to what C.J. Anderson provided the L.A. Rams late last year, that you need a veteran that can come in and, you know, pound the rock for you between the tackles, I could see someone be interested. But what are you going to what, – what can you expect? A seventh-round conditional, seventh-round pick, maybe, if that, for Devontae Booker. So these last three, Zach, I'm going to serve them to you as a trio. They are each holdovers uh, from the Super Bowl 50 World Championship, and they are Derek Wolf, Emmanuel Sanders, and Chris Harris Jr. Of these three players, is there anyone – that is, as you said earlier in our conversation, among the untouchables? No. I mean, Derek Wolf, he's a great locker room guy, great fan favorite, but he cannot stay on the field. He's getting up there in age. He's replaceable. Manuel Sanders coming off an injury, he still looks pretty good, but he's also among that the mercenary type of vibe like Chris Harris Jr. Uh, they can get what they get out of him for now as the burner type, but they'll replace him in the offseason. Chris Harris Jr. we talked about. I mean, he wants to be highly paid. He literally already said he can't wait to get out of Denver. He's not coming back. None of these guys, Chad, they're not, you know, they're in their 30s. They're not, you know, long-term guys. They're not untouchable, irreplaceable guys. Of that trio, the only one I would be a little bit reluctant to get rid of, and maybe this is the sentimental side of me coming out here, is Derek Wolf. Even though of the three, he's probably the least impactful guy right now. But that's not why I'm, I'm saying it. The reason I'm saying it is because I think the Broncos could use Similarly to Von Miller, one of the guys who was there and contributed significantly to Super Bowl 50, who is good for the locker room culture, who fancies himself a lifelong Bronco. We know Derek Wolf has stood up multiple times and said he wants to retire Bronco, doesn't ever envision himself playing anywhere but Denver. And when he says it, Zach, I believe it. It sounds, to me, it comes off as everything, it's completely sincere. Let me just put it that way. Meanwhile, we've heard guys like Sanders and Harris say similar things, but you don't really believe that they actually mean that. It's more like talking points, platitudes, doing a little PR, you know, saying what everyone expects them to say. Meanwhile, Derek Wolf to me is a is a true ride or die Bronco, and I think you can keep him around beyond this year on the relative cheap. I think he's having to face facts with the reality of this season for him as well that if he still has these designs of being able to hit the market next year and just crush it. It's not going to happen. You know, he might be able to find a one-year, you know, four or five million dollar deal. But if the Broncos are willing to give him two more years to stay in Denver and you know give him seven, eight million bucks for for uh, his troubles, why leave Denver? And Derek Wolf is the type of guy you know this as well as I do. He's going to go on and sign like a one-year incentive-laden contract with like the Patriots and win a Super Bowl and then go out on top. That's just the type of player that he can be at this stage. He's a backup sub-starter type player. That, that's what he is. He can't stay healthy, getting up there in age. He's never been overly dominant as a pass rusher. Pretty good against the run. I, I agree with you that he's more emotionally invested in this team than Sanders and Chris Harris Jr., but still, it's all about production. He knows it better than anyone. If you don't produce, you're not going to be around. And his whole, you know, don't even F with us mentality, that flew in 2015 when they had a Super Bowl and they had a dominant defense, but now it's hollow. Now their defense is a joke. So what does he really offer 
other than a good quote, other than a good soundbite in the locker room, you have to produce. And I think they'll replace him with a better player, and it could be Draymond Jones or Demarcus Walker even next year. That's what's so alarming to me, man. I mean, you use the J word to describe this defense. And even Vance Joseph, all right, when he – obviously Joe was defensive coordinator during the two years Vance Joseph was in Denver – there were a couple of times in which Joe Woods was getting worked over by the opponent, and Vance Joseph had to step in at halftime, and we learned after the fact that he called the plays in the second half, and the defense played at a much higher level, more on point, more focused, more disciplined, more effective from an execution standpoint. How is it, and I'm really struggling here, you guys, how is it that a coach that we have all perceived as being completely out of his league and overwhelmed, like Vance Joseph, has seemed more with it from an X's and O's perspective than Vic Fangio. I don't recall, Zach, from an from a adjustment perspective, seeing a Vance Joseph coach defense completely come undone in those clutch moments like the Broncos did in Week 2 and Week 4. Game in hand, all you need is your defense to get one stop. Vance Joseph's units, I can't remember them ever in those situations. They were always When they lost, they were getting blown out. In those games in which they were in it, those were the games they typically found a way to win late. Why can't they do this? Why can't Vic Fangio get over the hump here? I, this is, to me, I'm, I'm completely stunned with the, the, the direction this thing has spun. In the second half of games, it looks like the Broncos' defense is just worn out. They have no fire, no intensity. Any swagger they had in the first half is gone by the fourth quarter. The only thing I can think of is that Vance ran a really relaxed environment in Dove Valley, light practices, a lot of walkthroughs, whereas Vic Fangio, all he did in training camp was have him in pads almost every practice. They had five preseason games. I'm starting to wonder, are they tired? Are they beat up? Are they physically just you know out of it, overwhelmed right now? That's the only thing I can point to, or the fact that Thick Fangio's scheme is not good, and or they haven't bought into his message, or both. Either way, in any scenario, it all comes back to the coach. And when you consider you make that point, which is very valid, that a Vance Joseph defense is better than a Vic Fangio defense, it literally numbs my mind, Chad. And for what it's worth, I'm not saying Vance Joseph was, is a better defensive coordinator than Vic Fangio. I just think there's been a comedy of factors that have led to this situation. And I'm just frankly stunned that Vic Fangio's expertise on that side of the ball has been completely impotent in the face of it. I can't, I'm really stunned. And I can only imagine, Zach, the type of conversations that are taking place between John Elway, Matt Russell, and Joe Ellis at this point. Like, what the heck's going on here? Like, I understand, Vic, that maybe you, there's all these new faces and moving parts, a new quarterback, two different systems being installed and learned this year a really long training camp, a really long preseason, injuries to boot to key players and free agent acquisitions we expected to play a big role on these teams. We understand all these situ- these these factors, but frankly, we expected more from an execution perspective just based on your wherewithal experience, expertise as a defensive coach. Like, this is completely off the reservation. Yeah, I'm not willing to crucify Fangio after four games, but it's it's definitely not what the Broncos thought they were going to get. And uh, you start to wonder, is this why he took so long to get a head coaching offer? Is this why he was a lifelong assistant, a lifelong coordinator? He never was good enough to make the leap. What's more concerning to me lately off the field is he's 
handling the media with the same comedy uh, shtick as Vance Joseph, giving non-answers, cliches, you know, skirting around questions. I want to see some of that accountability that he preached all offseason, when it's gone now and they're in a losing streak. I want to see that come out through adversity, not when it's March or April and you can say whatever you want, everyone's 0-0. Zero and zero. Now you're 0-4, how will you respond? And every single week, he's had no clue. It's, it's just seemed like it's getting worse before it gets a lot better. Hey, I'm still I'm still going to try and keep the faith a little bit with Vic Fangio and believe that you know these this quarter is is a little bit of an outlier this quarter of the season and that he still can turn this thing around. But I'm not expecting any miracles. Don't don't get me wrong. I just think that this defense is capable of playing a lot better with the talent it has than we've seen from them at certain points. I mean, there have been stretches where this defense has played very well under Vic Fangio, but it's in these key moments, and that's what another thing that's yep. so frustrating is. They repped and practiced and made that such a focus, situational football, during training camp, during OTAs. And to see them unravel and come unglued in those key situations now that the games are here is just all the more puzzling. But you guys, that's going to do it for today. Zach and I will be back in the saddle for you on Thursday. We'll look ahead, see what we can do to maybe get a Chargers rider on the horn for that. If not, we'll have some good look-ahead content for you for the L.A. Chargers next week. But in the meantime, you're going to have a fresh episode of Building the Broncos on Wednesday to look forward to, so stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Keep your chin up, Broncos country. I know right now it feels like uh, this team has completely gone off the rails. But, hey, it it can't get much worse. So just focus on these young players and try and get some enjoyment out of what you're seeing from Noah Fant, what you're seeing from Cortland Sutton, Phillip Lindsay. We'll see if if Fangio is – if he can turn the ship. We'll see. I don't expect him to turn the ship in terms of really trying to get back into any kind of a playoff hunt, but get back to some form of respectability and competitiveness against at least these AFC West opponents, and he'll get another shot at an AFC opponent this coming week. So – Keep your chin up. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you on Thursday. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.